0: Awesome. So we're gonna have a look at that passage today, um, continuing on in this the servant series. Um, yeah, I might just pray and then then we'll start to have a look. So thank you, Father. Um, yeah, for your presence and and your goodness, uh, we can yeah praise and worship you and thank you for your word and we can see Jesus and thank you for your Spirit who's present and we just yeah ask you to speak to us today by your Spirit through your word, Lord. Um, yeah, with these words of yours, Jesus just yeah, encourage our hearts and, and strengthen our faith, and yeah, we just pray your blessing over this time in your name. Amen. Yeah, so if you were here last week or, or were able to watch online, Matt, um, yeah, shared from this next sort of bit of a section in this, this series, we've been tracking through Matthew's gospel in, in little bits um, over a while, and just where we're up to at the moment last week was where Jesus goes up the mountain. Um, It's called the Transfiguration. He he takes three of his closest followers and and they leave the others behind, they leave the crowds behind, they go up the mountain and there's this powerful encounter where Jesus is revealed in his glory and then God comes in this cloud of glory and, and affirms who Jesus is as his beloved son and tells the disciples to listen to him. It's this amazing mountaintop experience for Jesus, for his closest followers. Um, and, it, and it's where they see him for who he is, and they need to listen to him. Uh, but where we're going to pick up in the story is then what happens when they come back down. Because um, they've been away, uh, they've been up the mountain, and, and sometimes it's like that for us, that, that we go away. We had a retreat last week where we spend time away, or we go up a mountain, or we, we find solitude. And, and often it's in those times we can really encounter God, even in some ways, even coming to church is a, is a form of that. We, we come away, we come together, we come to seek God, we come to, to worship, but then we have to go back down the mountain. We have to go back into society. We have to face issues and problems and things that have been happening while we've been away, and that's what's happening here with Jesus. There's actually a whole lot of stuff that's been happening while he's been away up the mountain. So we sort of uh, uh, sort of launch back into this pretty crazy Seen so it says in verse fourteen when they came so they're coming down the mountain and they came to the crowd and a man approached Jesus and knelt before him Lord have mercy on my son he said he has seizures and is suffering greatly he often falls into the fire or into the water I brought him to your disciples but they could not heal him so there's like a few things that have been going on here for a while one one is that this man is obviously in desperate need for his son. And there's a whole story behind that. It says, it, it, it's, in, in Mark, it says it's been happening since he was young. So this this boy has been suffering for years. This father has been suffering for years, trying to help his son, and then rec- recognizes that Jesus and his disciples have power to do that. So Jesus, he comes, but Jesus is not there. He's up the mountain. So he brings his son to his disciples in hope that someone can help my son and they can't. They're unable to help. And now there's all these people around that, it doesn't say what happened, but perhaps it's just this crazy scene probably. This boy may be having a seizure. The disciples are not able. There's, it's almost become a bit of a public spectacle now. The crowds are, are viewing this perhaps even maybe accusing them of being weak, saying maybe, Where, where's Jesus? Uh, in Mark's version of this, we'll, we'll kind of compare and contrast a bit. It says that the scribes are arguing with the disciples. So there's just, it's just this chaotic scene, but at the middle of this scene is this father in desperate need for his son and disciples who are facing a massive problem. So in many ways, the disciples of Jesus who stayed down the mountain didn't get to see him didn't have the mountaintop experience but they have kind of faced their own mountain which is this massive situation that's just too big for them in this story we see Jesus disciples face a situation that's too big for them and they find themselves powerless there's a word that gets repeated here it doesn't really it's not obvious in English in in the NIV it's just translated that they could not heal them but it's this word that really means that they were Unable. It comes up three times in this passage. It's really the focus that the disciples uh, are facing a desperate need of this son, of this father, but it's too big. They they can't help. They've found that they are powerless. And this is surprising, maybe in some ways, because earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has shown that he has power. And he's even given power to his followers. And there's times when his followers have gone out and have healed people and have helped people with this problem of, of spiritual evil or, or demons. He, they've, they've done powerful things, but now they can't do it. This one's too big. It's too difficult. The pressure from the crowd is too much. Jesus is not present. They are overwhelmed, and it's just too hard. They can't help this man in need. Sort of as we go through again we, we kind of try and place ourselves in these these stories and and just sort of track with what God's saying to us in the midst of this. And I think there's a there's a parallel because often we face situations that are too big for us that actually leave us feeling powerless. You might even have one at the moment, most likely. Most likely everybody does right now. Have something, some mountain, some issue. That just feels too big. Or if not, it probably won't be long. Uh, even this week, I, I just had some time when I was just facing something and I just felt that it's just too big. I just, I can't do it. It's too hard. And, and you just can have that sense of, actually, I just don't have power. I'm unable. Even as a church, I think, when we look at um, the needs in our world, and we, we do lots of good things to help. Definitely. We, we, we help so much in this community, but compared to the actual need, the actual desperate need of people, often we can feel quite powerless. Sometimes what we do just feels like such a small drop when people in, are in desperate need. I just want you to maybe hold a situation in mind. If you have a situation that you're facing at the moment that is just feels too big, or maybe you know somebody who is. Just as we go through this story, I just encourage you to just sort of hold that, and we'll kind of come back to that as we go. But it's actually a really encouraging aspect to this this story, even from the start. Jesus comes down to this chaotic scene, full-on intense, plunged back into the world with crowds and and evil forces (laughs) and sickness. But this man, um, who's, who's obviously suffered greatly, and then has been disappointed by Jesus' disciples, still comes to Jesus. It's actually so encouraging that, that, that when Jesus comes down, he runs up to Jesus. He, he casts himself at his mercy, and we see just because the disciples couldn't help, this man still thinks maybe Jesus can. And sadly, that's the truth often, that, that followers of Jesus, uh, Christians, uh, disciples of Jesus, sometimes and often will let us down, or well, often we're actually not able to help people. But that doesn't mean Jesus is not able to. Jesus is powerful. And this man comes straight to Jesus, casts himself at his mercy, and begs him for help. So how does Jesus respond to this man? It's pretty, probably not what you would expect him to say. He responds to this man's desperate cry for help by saying, You unbelieving and perverse generation. He doesn't talk to the man. He doesn't even really talk necessarily to the crowds or to the disciples. He talks to a generation. He, he talks to like everyone alive at that time in Israel and says that they're unbelieving and perverse. And he says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? It's this idea that Jesus is actually not from here. Uh, he's just gone up the mountain. We've seen that. He's the son of God. And he comes back in and then he recognizes actually this is not really where he belongs. He's come to earth. And people have not received him. And there's this sense of frustration. And he says, bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. In many ways, Jesus, what's going on in this scene is bigger than just a man with a son in in need of help. In some ways, what's going on is representative of, and the crowds. what's representative of this generation that actually... This boy has been pushed around by, by some evil force and, and this crowd's are not able to trust Jesus. And that's what's happening in this generation. It's a generation that's so influenced by, by evil and unbelief and actually hasn't received Jesus, hasn't accepted Jesus, when really they, they should have. We've been talking about that, how Jesus doesn't fit their boxes, but instead of listening to him, they, they close themselves to him. And then when he leaves it's kind of revealed. It's kind of similar to the story in Moses. There's a story in, in the Exodus story when they, they come out of slavery, God does amazing things, but then Moses goes up the mountain, he's gone for a while, and the people just forget God. They forget Moses, they start worshipping other gods, they show that actually they, they are totally disloyal to God. And in some similar way, it's like that. Jesus goes away for a while, and the crowds are even more close to him. Uh, even the disciples are not believing him. That There's, there's this, this influence that is drawing them away from Jesus. And Jesus obviously seems a bit angry here, but he, he's slow to anger. Uh, it's just been a long history already of being continually rejected and, and misunderstood and not listened to. And he's just been up the mountain and affirmed by his Father that he is the Son of God and comes down to people again who have rejected him. And this grieves him. But it's not just the generation then in the next section, we see the disciples as well. It says, the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. So it seems like a situation that's too big for the disciples. That's just It's just too difficult. It's too hard. There's too much pressure from the, the crowds. But Jesus diagnoses the problem much deeper. It's actually that the Jesus' disciples aren't powerless because their situation is too big, but because their faith is too small. It seems like they should have had enough confidence in God to see this man healed. They, they should have. In, the, in that context and in that presence with what they know of Jesus and the power that Jesus has given them, or, or the crowd should have recognized at least that Jesus has so much power that, that he can deal with this, Maybe he's up the mountain, but he could be back soon. We'll just wait. We don't have to freak out. Like, like they should have been able to trust, but they don't. And this is Jesus' diagnosis, that the, the issue is not that the problem's too big, but their faith is too small. They don't really trust him. They don't believe him. And this is true for us as well. Often we, we face big problems where we feel powerless, but we aren't... Powerless because our problems are too big, but because our trust in Jesus is too small. Jesus makes this link here between power and trust, between being able and having faith. And he says the reason they're not able is because they have so little faith. And often this is true for us as well, that there's issues we face Big problems, challenging circumstances, but the, the real battle, the real core issue is always do we trust God? Can we trust God in the midst of this? And if we find that we can, often there's power to deal with that. It doesn't necessarily mean the situation will go away in a, se- in a, se- in a second, but it means that even there's, there's strength to face impossible situations and to see them shifted. But often we actually don't realize that actually we lack trust in Jesus. There's a great quote on this, diagnosing the root of a problem, which is quite honest. Dale Brunner says it this way. The root of our problem, and we know it deep down inside, is that we do not really believe. We, disciples, do not really believe. We tend to locate our problem in less deep locations, in our temper, weaknesses, habits, lusts, addictions, moods, vanities, or ambitions. But in fact, the root of all such bitter fruit is our failure to believe God. It's so honest, right? We call ourselves believers, but often we don't believe. Often we don't actually trust God. What's encouraging, I think, though, is that that's true of Jesus' disciples. <laughs> like, Jesus' disciples are never commended for f- having faith. Never. Not in Matthew's Gospel, at least. I haven't really studied it full on in the others. But in Matthew's Gospel, the disciples are never commended for having faith. Jesus continually calls them little faiths. That's like, it's like a name that he gives them. They're little faiths. Uh, he commends some people for great faith. But they're not even disciples of Jesus. They're, they're outsiders. They're people from other culture. They're, they're a Roman centurion. They're just people in desperate need who cast everything on, on Jesus. And Jesus is surprised and says, oh, wow, you have great faith. But he's often surprised that his disciples don't have faith or don't have confidence. Um, and obviously, they have enough trust in Jesus to follow him, to, to give up everything and, and follow him. They do that. But then when there's a storm, when they don't have enough bread when there's pressure from a crowd, when Jesus is up a mountain, they don't trust. It just, it just disappears. So they, they have enough faith to follow him, but not to actually, when their faith is tested, it seems like it's not there. They actually, they have such little faith, they can't actually use it under pressure. And this is, again, true of us today, that often the core battle we face is not the issue of our circumstances, but the issue of, can we trust God no matter what? Can we trust God in the midst of whatever we face and if we're honest often we don't at least not as our first response or not or not if we have other options <laughs> We'll try some other things and if they really don't work, maybe we'll have to trust God rather than actually just believing Jesus Our presenting problems are not the root issue and Jesus um, is a good doctor so he gets to the root and the root is actually trust will we trust? Will we believe? Our powerlessness is because of our lack of faith. So then what's the solution? We probably think, well, okay, if we face big problems, we face challenging circumstances, we face mountains in our lives, well, we probably need more faith. Therefore, we need great faith even. Big issues require big faith. That's a a thing that might make sense. We might even come to church knowing that we don't have much faith and that we need more faith. We might come even feeling bad that we don't have enough faith, beating ourselves up that we don't have enough faith, trying to work up faith, which is not a good idea. It's, faith is not something that you can just push hard to do. You kind of either trust someone or you don't. And you can choose to trust them, but you can't work up trust. Um, but Jesus gives a really surprising and really encouraging answer to us, believers who often don't believe. He says this, truly I tell you, so he's speaking, really emphasizing this, the word is amen, I tell you, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's a crazy thing to say, right? And he says it. He's saying it seriously, like truly. He's he's serious about this. It's probably not what we would have expected him to say. He says that the problem is such little faith, and he says the solution is that you actually only need a little faith. You need the smallest amount of faith. Jesus' disciples only need the smallest amount of faith to see the biggest obstacles removed. It's not that they need really great faith. He says you need faith as small as a mustard seed. Obviously, Jesus is is emphasizing this. He's speaking metaphorically using these pictures of of seeds and mountains, and he's using hyperbole. He's talking about absurd things like mountains moving, impossible situations, and saying actually they are possible with the smallest bit of faith. So we might think that if we face big problems, right, big mountains, if we face impossible situations, we need to be people of great faith, and great faith is good, right? But Jesus says, no, actually to face impossible situations that are too big for us, we don't need great faith, we just need a little bit of faith in our great God. It's not Faith is not this thing that actually it really matters how much we have of it. What matters is what it's in. What are we trusting in? And Jesus is saying actually the smallest bit of trust in God who has all power, that opens all sorts of possibilities. There's no limits for God. Actually, the smallest bit of faith can give us access to him and actually allow him to work. I was thinking about it in, in my life as well, the times when I have experience God working and and moving situations and and shifting things. Most of the time, there are things where I've had very little faith. Like, there's been some, but not much. And there's times when I felt like I've had great faith, something's going to happen this way, and it doesn't happen the way that I thought. It's actually often God works despite our little faith, but even works with our little faith. Tom Wright um, puts it this way, this sort of understanding of what Jesus is saying. He says, The secret, of course, is that the size of the faith isn't important. What's important is the God in whom you believe. If you want to see the moon, the size of the window you're looking through isn't important. What matters is that it's facing the right direction. A tiny slit in the wall will do if the moon is that side of the house. A huge window facing the wrong direction will be no good at all. That's what true faith is like. The smallest prayer to the one true God will produce great things. The most elaborate devotions to a God of your own making, or indeed someone else's, will be useless or worse. This is so powerful, I think, because it faith, really, when we, Jesus talks about faith, is confidence in God. It's believing God. And, and too often, we can actually put the focus on our faith Faith. We need more faith. We need to trust God more. We need to make it do better at trusting God, which is about us. <laughs> like, but the whole point of faith is actually recognizing it's not about us. Actually, we can't. But He is able. We can actually look to Him and trust Him. Actually, faith. Faith is really just casting everything on Him. Not. It's not trying to work up something so that we have enough of something that we can go and, and do something. It's like faith is not a resource we use for ourselves. It's actually placing all confidence in God. As we see this in this parallel of this story in, in Mark. In, in Mark's version of this, this interaction, there's more details and there's more interaction with the man. And there's this famous um, yeah, saying of this man that's so encouraging. And so I'll just read some of this from Mark 9, from verse 21. It says, Jesus asked the Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. There's two things in this, I think, right? It's possible to believe and not believe at the same time. And if we're honest... That's probably most of us, right? We call ourselves believers in Jesus, but often we don't believe him. We don't trust him. But there's something in us that does, and there's some parts of us that don't. And what's so encouraging is that God looks at the part of us that does. He sees the part of this man that believes. Jesus says, if you've got the smallest mustard seed of faith, that's enough. So we don't have to focus on, oh, we have all these struggles, we have all these doubts, and we have all these problems. Like, actually, is there a small bit of faith? Take that to God. He sees that. He values that. He can work with that. Actually, that's all that's needed. And I think the other thing that's encouraging in this is that what this man does is actually allows his lack of faith to cast himself on Jesus even more, which really is faith, <laughs> like, Like this man trusts God with his lack of trust in God, he says, "I believe, help my unbelief," and just puts all of it on Jesus. And that's actually what trust is. It's not this thing that we can get enough trust and then we then we're good. It's it's this man is just desperate, and just puts it all and puts all his confidence in Jesus' power and Jesus' compassion, even the parts that don't trust him. That's what he's invited to do. But God looks at the parts that do. Uh, it's so it's so encouraging then that if we're honest and say yeah faith actually is so core to who we are as Christians yet in many ways it's the core battle it's a battle to trust god it's 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 a battle to live by faith jesus disciples it's their core issue in many ways but it's not an issue to beat ourselves up about it's actually an issue to look to him to trust him with and to be encouraged that even the smallest amount of faith Uh, is powerful and it's so cool in this story right because there's so much commotion so much intensity disciples obviously aren't trusting Jesus the crowds are crazy this man is desperate and Jesus just heals the boy like he just walks down the mountain and says okay be healed like what's the big deal like Jesus is powerful like this is no problem for him why are they so worried? Why are the crowds so stressed? When Jesus has shown that he is powerful, he is able, he is compassionate, he is good, he cares, and he addresses this issue. And Jesus has taught that already, that God is a father who knows, who cares for birds, who cares for flowers, who cares for people. There's, There's no problem. He can solve it in a moment. And often, Right, maybe that doesn't happen necessarily the way that we we think, but we can trust even in that, that he's at work and that he is good. Jesus has revealed just before this that he's gonna be a suffering servant. So maybe the disciples have started to think that Jesus is actually weak, but Jesus is not weak. He is he's powerful. And even the way that he goes to the cross is powerful and will defeat once and all, once and for all, the power of this evil force at work, so they can trust him. So as we respond today, um, you might have been having some sort of picture or some sort of mountain, some situation right now that's just too big. And just with what Jesus has taught, I just thought we could go through a bit of a prayer activity to, to just respond to God in that. So um, I sort of finished the teaching there, and I just want to lead us in a, in a prayer response Um so to do that, I just encourage you to, to sort of maybe switch modes a little bit, L- less listening teaching mode and more prayer, becoming aware of God. And I'll just sort of lead you, lead you through a response. So just encourage you to, to just, yeah, picture um, whatever it is might be at the moment that's just too big. You might like to close your eyes uh, to do that. You might like to look at that picture of a mountain up there and just picture that situation as a mountain facing something that's too big and just feel powerless. And then just using your imagination and just sort of being open, open to God. If you can kind of picture that mountain of that problem but then start to picture God in comparison to that. Start to picture God into comparison to the biggest mountain you can think of. God who created mountains, <laughs> who speaks universes, spoke the sun, God who raised Jesus from the dead. And compare that situation, that mountain, with a good God. And then just take this even the smallest bit of you that believes that that God is the true God and trust that situation to him. Might even say to him, I believe, help my unbelief And you might even listen like Elijah did and heard a still small voice that shifted things. say, so thank you, Jesus, that you see um, the parts of us that believe. Thank you for your patience, even though yeah, the lack of faith in your followers seems like it can be a frustration. Thank you for your patience and your, your kindness to us and thank you that you've given us faith to, to trust you for our salvation, for our for our lives and just pray, God, for faith to believe you when under pressure, when facing situations too big. God, we even us, even if it's just the smallest amount of faith, Lord, that we would see your power at work in our lives, in our, in our churches, in our region. We ask that you'd give us strength to help people in need all around, Lord, not because we have power, but because you do, because you care, because you're at work. We just place our confidence in you afresh today. We just ask Jesus that, yeah, your words would go deep into our heart, shift our minds. And yeah, we just say, you are able, Lord. You are king. You are savior. You are good. We just trust our mountains. We trust our issues. We trust our church. We trust our community to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.